Welcome to OK-ish, a podcast all about mental health in the modern world. I'm Mary Ellen Dance, a licensed mental health therapist, here to strip away misunderstandings about therapy and share exactly what I do in an honest way. Don't worry, you won't hear inspirational quotes or be told to spend more time doing self-care. I'm here to get to the real stuff using my own experiences as a therapist and as a really messy human being. Come and laugh at yourself with me as you learn not how to become great, but how to become okay-ish. Hello, welcome to OK-ish. Happy Wednesday. As always, I am your host, Mary Ellen, a um, mental health therapist and a very OK-ish human being. And I'm excited because I have another therapist here with me today. I have Elena Brubaker here, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She graduated from the Marriage and Family Therapy Program at University of Rochester. And since then, she has worked as a therapist in an urban OBGYN practice and college counseling centers. Five years ago, she started her own private practice and has been building her business ever since. Elena's specialty is in women's mental health, helping women through anxiety, depression, trauma, and general life transitions. Through her professional and personal work, she has found how damaging it can be to try to run at the pace the world tells you to run. Elena has a passion for working with her clients on how to release the expectations of others and tune into your own values, needs, and desires. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Mary Ellen. I'm really thrilled to be with you. So tell us more a little bit. You've been in private practice for five years, which is incredible. Tell us If you can tell me more about what led you into the private practice world, into focusing specifically on women, like how all of that went. Yeah. So private practice started um, when I was pregnant for my second child and I was actually doing online therapy. I was doing, uh, I was working at Talkspace. Um, So that kind of... That kind of gave me the confidence to own my own business, run my own business, um, because that is, you kind of have your own schedule, but you're also at the mercy of a company. And so that kind of gave me the encouragement to really be my own boss. And so um, looking back on it, like when I was pregnant with my second was probably not the best time to form my practice, but... It's when I had the motivation. And so it all worked. Like, it all worked. Um, I was able to form that practice. I was able to find clients who are willing to work with a pregnant woman um, and and then have something to return to. So so it works for me. And then how I, how I kind of developed this niche in, in women's health and specifically women who are trying to do it all is... I started at um, a women's health practice, an OBGYN clinic, and so saw predominantly women there and then sometimes couples. And it didn't matter what women were struggling who have seen me throughout the years. This same um, message of trying to do too much, of feeling like the whole world is on your shoulders, of feeling like, you know, your life is running you and you're just chasing after it. This came up with women from all different walks of life. So that's really how I started to uh, have this specialty and this passion of working 
with women through this and, and um, helping them take more ownership of them their lives is just noticing the same themes no matter what woman I was I was doing therapy with. That is so incredible. And I love that you've been able to see that those themes don't discriminate. Like you said, all walks of life, there were similar similar struggles and um, like thought patterns going on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't discriminate. And, and whether a person was coming in with depression or anxiety or marriage issues, um, the, the mental health status didn't discriminate either. And I found um, a lot of the same themes coming up regardless of what they were coming in for mental health wise. As you know, like I'm so excited to have you on for many reasons because I think you're fantastic. But also, like I literally started this podcast basically on a whim because I was so sick of hearing all these like buzzwords and same thing, seeing so many people struggling with like the pressures of the world and, oh, I got to go to the gym and I got to have a healthy dinner on the table and, oh, why aren't I feeding my kids organic and, oh, I need to do self-care and all of this stuff. And it's like, no, 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 no. Let's take a step back. That's not what mental health is all about. So do you feel like you're having those types of conversations just all the time? Oh, for sure. And I think just as you're saying, like, I'm so resonating with that. I think the there's so much more conversation around mental health, particularly on social media. But some of it, I'm like, okay, yeah, like you said, like, back up. This isn't quite what mental health is. And we're it's turning into perfectionism in mental health, which is contrary to the point. It's like, if only I can hack this, yeah. if only I can do all of the things of, for mental health, like if I can self-care the best, if I can self-love the best, um, it, if I can like just get that down, then I'm going to be happy. Then I'm going to be complete. And it's that same mindset uh, that is hurting people that then then they're applying to mental health. So absolutely, I'm seeing that. I'm seeing people putting too much pressure around mental health. And so I feel like a lot of the work I do is just like slowing people down, talking about self-compassion, talking about how you can't do it all, even in mental health. Like you may be doing too much with your mental health. And so slowing that down and taking taking things more gradually, taking a more gradual approach. And and so I feel like social media has perpetuated that. It's it's made people feel like there's so much for them to do and it's just another area that they're feeling. Oh my gosh. I just I'm obsessed with everything you're saying. Like the whole reason this podcast is called OK-ish is because I'm like, I'm sick of hearing people tell me to be empowered. Like <laughs> I want to be empowered some days, but that's right. not real life. And I I actually had a whole episode about toxic positivity and how toxic positivity is not a mental health message. Those are two very different things. And you talking about perfectionism reminded me of that, reminded me of this like okay, trying to be perfect and doing all the things. And it that's not happiness. That's not positive mental health. Yeah. And it's probably contributing to you feeling worse. Yes. Yes. And it's so difficult because I've experienced this myself too, but it is difficult. These messages we've been hearing for so long to change those messages that we've been hearing for so long. Do you find that people um, that you work with are almost are resistant to changing those messages. Oh, for sure. 
For sure. Because I think even, I think for some people, so I love the okay-ish. Um, I think some people feel like that's a failure though. Or my message is like, you can't do it all and you don't have to. Uh, and I think people are resistant. People have pushed back on that. Like it feels like that's a failure if they can't do it all. And so almost like, I think the resistance is, oh, I could do it all or I could be better than okay-ish if I just tried harder, if I just did more. Um, And so that's a resistance I find is like, there's got to be a way around this. There's got to be a way to do it all. Um, And I'm just not working hard enough. I just haven't found the the trick. So how do you, I I know this is a very complicated question, (laughs) but like, how do you, what do you tell people? What do you tell people that is it's perfectionism or it's failure? Right. So first, I mean, I mean, that, that's the question of the, the day. How many, how many hours do we have here? Um, no, but, <laughs> but really like first we start with where did this message come from? Um, where did you get this? Who's telling you this? Um, and 99% of the time it is not internally driven or it's, Maybe mm-hmm. there's some internal drive there, but it's a percentage. It's not the whole thing. And so we we break down and that's why, I, you know, I'm a family therapist, so I have the systems training. So what systems have contributed to you feeling like you have to do all the things or you have to be the best? Um, and so we look at family pressures, societal pressures, work pressures, um comparison so we look at the mindsets that have created this message and then what would it be like to start challenging them like who who is going to push back on that what's going to come up for you what kind of like self-worth self-identity things are going to come up if you start to challenge this so so it really does start at identifying why like what what caused this thinking because if you get to the root of it, it makes it it makes it more manageable to that challenge. That makes complete it. complete sense, and I love that you're talking about this because I hear two common things that I hear that I want to address is you know if I go to therapy, are you just going to be talking about my past or my family or my childhood or blame my mom or things like that. And you're showing that it's not about staying stuck in the past by any means. It's about understanding what's going on because the more we can understand it, the more we can kind of pick it apart and challenge it. Yes. Yes, exactly. For the most part in therapy, we do this dual process. We are exploring what mindsets contributed to the way that you're Um, acting, reacting, behaving now, and we stay in the present of how do you take that awareness and understanding and make changes that help you have a better life right now. So it's not, we can't just stay in the present because then we don't understand how you got here. But we also don't just stay in the past because then you're not making forward movement. I love how you worded that because that's a great explanation because I do hear a lot of people say, oh, you're just going to talk about the past, just talk about the past. And it's like, no, 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 but it has to be a big picture, past, present, and future. And I also love that you're talking about this because I, I say this all the time, so my listeners are probably sick of hearing it, but like 
mental health and therapy is not about like empowerment quotes online and like perfectionism, do it all. You got this girl, go you kind of thing. And I imagine you specifically working primarily with women, you, you encounter that a lot, I'm sure. Yes. Yes, for sure. And I think, yeah, I think people think you're going to throw like quotes at them sometimes like, oh, you're going to just tell me to do this. If it was that simple, you wouldn't be here. You know, if it was so simple as like, think, think positive, like, um, you know, if it was so simple as a quote, you would just do that. You would do the quote and you wouldn't be in therapy. So um, so I try to just like break that down and, and let people know like, no, it's not so simple because if it was so simple, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be struggling. You know, I think that generally people want to feel better. And so if they could have done that, they would have. If they could have felt better, they would already. And so it's not so simple as just like, Oh, and I think this is so cultural too. Like there's an easy fix and I just have to find it. And so I do a lot of like, this is not the easy fix. Um, And I don't think you want the easy fix because you probably tried a lot of easy fixes. And so this is um, deeper work, harder work, but also work that is going to grow with you. That's going to come with you. That's going to be sustainable for your life. I was just going to use the word sustainable. I, I relate it often to, I, I teach, um, at a local college and I have so many students who will get an A minus and come to me and say, can I do extra credit to get an A? And I say, no, (laughs) but also like an A minus is great. And just like trying to be perfect and doing extra credit to be perfect is not sustainable. Like this is not going to be productive, healthy or sustainable in a work environment. You know, when you, when you go off and find a career and it's the same thing with mental health, like, okay, doing that extra credit to get that A plus. Maybe it feels good for the moment, but that's not going to see, we're not going to see the long-term changes that we're really all looking for. Right, right. So what's real, like every day is not an A plus day. If you're working five days a week, every day is not going to be an A plus day. And so how can you tolerate the A minus days? Maybe <laughs> even the D days. Like I, the, today was just an F and and there's there is tomorrow and so i think more like normalizing yeah you're gonna have a minus days you're gonna have d days like and normalizing that and knowing how to sit with that instead of feeling like if you did get that d or a minus or whatever it is it doesn't that doesn't mean the end for you um and so i think the more you learn to tolerate that the more you can actually bounce back absolutely and i think a lot of what i have been doing in the therapy room is practicing that tolerance of discomfort. Okay, it's not a great day, but it doesn't mean it's a bad life. It doesn't mean it's going to be this way forever. And maybe we just need to sit in the not great day a little bit, right? Like we don't want to stay stuck there, but we we can sit in it. I always tell my clients, you know, it's important to sit in our shit. And of course, we do not want to set up camp there, but we got to sit in it for a few minutes to get through it. <laughs> right. Right. Instead of, again, running to the quick fix. Oh my gosh, I'm having a bad day. What can I do to make it better? Or, oh my gosh, I have this feeling. What can I do to get rid of it? Um, Because sometimes we can't get rid of the bad day um, or the uncomfortable feeling. 
And so, yeah, I think it's much more a service to ourselves if we learn how to tolerate that. And doesn't mean you like it, but it you can learn to deal with it. You never have to love it. Like who loves sitting in their shit? Nobody. But learning how to do it is such a skill. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what do you like a client who's been to you, who's been, you know, maybe they came in wanting the quick fix, wanting the perfectionism, and then they work with you and they've made a lot of changes. Like, what do you see from that client? Like, what are the differences you see? What I see is being more in tune with their values what do they personally value? Not what do other people tell them to value? Like what is, what does the world say? But what do more in tune with their own needs and their own values and being able to name that, um, being able to discern what matters to them, what matters most to them. Um, and I think like, yeah, this overall, um, and I will use empowerment here because I think the empowerment is um, the empowerment is uh, being able to sit with discomfort and normalize, normalize discomfort, normalize. Um, you might have an anxious day, a depressed day, but that doesn't get to define you. Or you might have had this conflict or this, you know, person who pushed a boundary, but that doesn't get to define you either. And so a stronger sense of self, a stronger sense of confidence. And even when um, things get rocky, it doesn't rock them, you know, like they're anchored down. So it gets wavy in the water, but um, they're not like pushed um, too far from where they want to be. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, I'll, I'll hop on your using the word empowerment because I will often say, even on this podcast, I want to empower you to be okay-ish, <laughs> to right. get knocked down by that wave sometimes and get back up and we just keep going. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> I think what happens with like kind of this false empowerment is thinking that the right way to do life is to not have any waves. And that's just not fun. I love riding waves. It's great. Sometimes it hurts. Right. <laughs> Sometimes yes. it's nice. Right. What a boring life to not have waves. <laughs> you know, like that's that's so boring. And that's also not true. Like this is life. There is going to be waves. Um, and so I think it's I got, like learning how to deal with those waves instead of thinking you can control whether the waves come or not. Cause that's, it's not true. That's not life. Absolutely. When I, when I learned to, when my dad taught me how to drive when I was 16 years old, um, I'm really thankful he taught me how to drive in the winter and we're in upstate New York. And so the winter is very snowy and he took me to a, uh, like a park. Um, so there was like a big parking lot around this park in the wintertime and forced me to go into skids so I would know what it felt like. Um, And that was like the best technique ever. But I feel like we do that as therapists a little bit. Like, let's force you to go in this skid because it's going to happen. And we just got to be able to tolerate it and know what to do about it. Right. Right. Oh, that's such a good analogy. Yeah. Like you're not going to avoid those skids. So while you have the support, let's learn how to deal with it. So yeah. So that was, again, like now I'm calm 
when I skid. And the, the most important thing you can do when you're skidding is to, you know, steer into the skid and stay calm. And so for, you know, being able to learn how to stay calm through some of these waves of emotion and these really uncomfortable emotions, I think is a huge skill to have. And, and yes, I think it can be really empowering. Right. The true empowerment. (laughs) So what would you say is the most difficult part of your job? Like what, um, like in working with this realm, um, there's a lot of barriers, there's a lot of frustrations, there's a lot of burnout, but like, what is one of the biggest barriers for you? Well, I think this is my own work of sitting with discomfort is sometimes as a therapist, I can see this person is doing too much. This person has too much on their plate. This person, if they could just go a little easier on themselves, I know that I know that they would get relief from whatever they're experiencing. But if they're not ready, I cannot rush them. <laughs> and so it doesn't matter how bad I want it for them. They have to want it for themselves. And so as a therapist, we have to sit with our own discomfort of, I want you to get better, but it's not on my timeline. It's on yours. And so so part of that for me is sitting through this person, working through um, their own barriers to releasing things, to creating boundaries, um, to saying yes to doing less. Uh, I have to sit through that. And, and again, like I might wish the process would go faster so they could get better, but it's not my timeline. And so I have to sit with that. And that is uncomfortable for me. And that, so that can, that can be a huge challenge is to just sit with my own stuff, sit with my own kind of impatience to rush things. Of course. Oh my gosh. I am literally the least patient person in the world. So I can completely relate to this. When I have, when I have clients where I'm sometimes like, oh my gosh, I want to, I want to pull my hair out. And it's, it's funny. I've talked about this client before. I had a client who came to me twice a month for over two years saying she wanted to divorce her husband. Twice a month for over two years, she would just talk about how she wanted to divorce her husband and then every excuse to not divorce him. And she, um, she ended up getting a divorce. Um, and when she finally did it, she called me and she was like, oh my gosh, Mary Ellen, I'm so sorry. Like this must've been torture to hear me just like sit there and talk about it over and over. <laughs> and I was like, nope, it's okay. Cause you got to work through it. It's all, you know, it's all part of the process and part of figuring it out. But it, I always think of that story when I'm thinking of like my patience, cause that tested my patience. <laughs> yes. Yes, and I think that's our work as therapists is to figure out how how to work with that and how to not take too much responsibility either. So not take too much responsibility for the outcome. Like we can we can hold space, we can have these conversations, we can kind of prompt this thinking, but it's not our responsibility to to force that change. Um, and so I think that's also um, that's also difficult work as therapists because we obviously want people to get better, but um, to to know that's not our responsibility to do the work for them, we can't. Um, that's hard. It is hard. And one of the most humbling things that I'm sure you can relate to as a therapist is just knowing that we don't 
we don't know what's best. Like, I don't know what's best for you. I, heck, I don't even know what's best for me. I try to figure out what's best for me. But, like, I don't know what's best for anyone else. Like, that is one of the most humbling things. And it's a great learning experience seeing people, watching people figure out what's best for them and what works for them and what they want. Um, it's a really, really neat experience to, yeah, to be a part of. it really is. And I think that's that's – um, a lot of the beginning work when you first start with a client is kind of taking yourself as a therapist off the pedestal of like, I don't have all the answers for you, um, which which upsets people sometimes. Like I came to you for answers. Like I can't, you're supposed to know. Um, and part of the therapy work is like, no, I don't actually know the best thing for you. I'm going to faci- help and facilitate growth and change, but, but that's going to be you directed with me helping and supporting, but it's not me, you know, from my throne here, just telling you what to do. Um, it's, it's me helping you figure out what to do. Well, and it's so funny because in the past, um, and for the, for those who are listening, who, who are not therapists, these are some therapy techniques I'm about to throw at you. In the past, if, if a client would ask me, you know, what do you think? I would often put it back on them and be like, you know, uh, what does that matter? What I think and what makes it important, what I think and stuff like that. And often, you know, those are good questions to ask, but often now I'll just say, I don't know. Like, I don't know. And it's okay that I don't know. And let's talk about why it's okay that I don't know and how we can help you figure out how to know this and how to figure this out. Yeah, I think that it takes more experience and confidence as a therapist, right? Because when you first start out, you're like, well, I have to have something to say um, because they're going to fire me (laughs) if I say I don't know. But I think the confidence in being a more seasoned therapist is to be able to say that and to know you can work through that with your client and they're not going to leave you because you said you don't know about something. <laughs> I know, I've gone I've gone the other end of the spectrum. Now I tell my clients I don't know all the time. I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> but it's true. It's authentic. And you know, what are you going to do? I don't know. <laughs> and you know, it's okay because going back to that tolerating some of these uncomfortable feelings and tolerating not knowing and tolerating not being perfect, that it's okay to not be perfect is so, so valuable. And so, Alina, I know you do, you have your own practice, you do counseling, but I know you also do workshops. I wanted to ask you about these workshops you do. What kind of workshops do you have? How often can anyone go to them? I just, I want to know everything. (laughs) You want to know? Okay. Start with everything. So yeah, so recently in the past year, I branched out to workshops. Um, And these all have the can't do it all theme. So I've done just a general can't do it all workshop. Um, These have been, I've done one in-person workshop and the rest have been virtual, um, which I think I'm going to stick with virtual. Um, It helps me have the, the most reach and I feel like that's just less intimidating for people to do that virtual option. So I have a general can't do it all workshop. I recently had a work version Ooh. of can't do it all. Um, and then um, I'm going to have a parenting can't do it all. So um, oh, I'm yeah. shooting to do three or four workshops a year. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, because this can't do it all message sneaks in everywhere. 
It, yeah. it really does. And everyone, no matter like what stage of life you're at, everyone can, you know, relate to it in some in some form or another. I think it can sneak in. Um, you know, you might have worked with this mindset, say, in your social life or in your family life, but then it you see it sneaking in and work or in parenting. And so I think just being aware of where it's popping up for you, um, it, it can be, be immensely helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, before we kind of wrap up today, what is the biggest thing? We've talked about a lot. You've talked about a lot of misconceptions, and it sounds like we're very much on the same page with some of these things we talk about in the therapy room. But what is the biggest thing you want people to take away? Like people who are listening, who have never been to therapy, or, you know, who who are just seeing all these Instagram posts about perfectionism empowerment, right? What is the biggest thing you want to say to those people? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say it's not as simple as uh, social media makes it out to be. So if it feels complicated, if it feels messy, that is normal. Uh, That is not just you not knowing what to do. That is everybody. Um, It is complicated. It is messy. It is not like a one-size-fits-all approach. And so if you feel like you're doing something wrong, you're not. It's just, it's being human. So this work is complicated. This work is messy. This work takes a long time. And so if you are seeing, you know, posts on social media that make it seem easy, just know that it's not. Know that that you're only seeing one version on social media and that is not the full story. And so I hope to just normalize um, being human is complicated and messy. Um, and if you feel that way, it doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong, that you're messing up. It means that you're human and you deserve support to navigate that, whatever that is, whether it's attending a workshop or going to therapy um, or getting off Instagram and just doing your own thing, like that's okay. I love it. I love it. But if we are on Instagram, where can we find you? Because I'll tell you all, Elena has really, really cool reels that she's going to teach me how to do because they're awesome. You flatter me, Mary Ellen, really. That's that's too kind. So I am on Instagram. And I think like um, part of being on Instagram is is trying as a therapist to normalize this stuff that I was just talking about, like trying to point to the nuance. I feel like we have therapists on social media kind of trying to make their voices heard. Like it's not as easy as everyone says it is. Like this is actually a lot more nuanced than you might think it is. So that's the part of the work I'm doing on, on social media is trying to normalize mental health, trying to, to just shine a light on, it being complicated and messy and also like having fun in the process. I try to make things um, fun when I can. Um, and so you can find me on Instagram at Elena Talks Therapy. That's great. And then where else can we find you? If someone is interested in a workshop or um, therapy with you, uh, do you have a website? Yes. So I'm at elenabrewbaker.com. And um, if I get really fancy, I want to, I have an email list that I'm building, but if I, I'm, I might have that on my website by the time this episode airs. So maybe this will keep me accountable to, to doing that work. 
love it. I love it. And we will obviously put all of that in the show notes. Best place to reach her, Elena Talks Therapy um, on Instagram. Thank you so much for coming on, Elena. Thank you for having me, Mary Ellen. It was a pleasure. And thank you for doing all the work you do to help people uh, become more okay-ish. Oh, and same to you. We'll just keep saying this message until people listen. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Good plan.